CAN and RIA charge performance fees? That is today's question on the transition to RIA video series. It is question number 33. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help advisors just like you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. Uh, so on today's question, we're gonna talk about, hey, if, if I were to make that transition to the RA model, can I charge performance fees? And so what I mean by performance fees is, uh, well, there could be different ways that's structured, a, a, a typical kind of way, and, and think of the, you know, the hedge fund world that the, the two and 20 that basically says, okay, there's a, there's a flat amount based on just the assets in the account. And so on that the two and 20 example of the hedge fund world, they, they might charge 2% on assets regardless. And then uh, they will, they will take a 20%. That's the 20 part of any profits uh, on, on the way up and, 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 or sometimes it's, 20% uh, of any profits above a particular benchmark. And, and then there's some nuances in that, that you know, every time you do that, you have a new high watermark. So if the account value comes back down, well, they don't start getting performance fees until it, it exceeds the high watermark again. But, but the idea is that there is potentially ways to structure that. And as an RIA, you can do performance fees. And so you know, while you might not be two and 20, because again, that's more in the hedge fund world, maybe uh, you charge a kind of a more typical, you know, the proverbial 1% asset based rate for the client's account. And, and maybe you have some arrangement where you get X percent of the, the profits above a particular benchmark. And so the, the, the short answer is as an RA performance based fees are allowed. The longer answer, and I'm going to get into that here. And this is the whole reason I made videos is while it is allowed, there are absolutely challenges of doing this. It, it is uh, not just a simple undertaking. And there's a, there's a lot of kind of things you would want to be aware of before you even consider doing it. And I'm, I'm not trying to suggest you shouldn't, but I think it's important that you fully understand exactly how this works and fully understand exactly what the expectations would be before you even consider maybe, hey, wow, if I, if I go ahead and transition to the RA model, that is something I would want to do. Um, now, before I dive into them, I, I would tell you the, these challenges, it, it does result in the overwhelming majority of RIAs out there do not charge performance fees. And you, you might say, oh, Brad, how do you know that? And, and the, the, the reason I, I know, or at least from my experience, um, is I, I've read hundreds of, of ADVs of, of RIAs out there. And in an ADV, there, every single ADV, uh, there is in part two, there is a specific section that asks and has to address, do you charge performance fees? Um, and, then, and then obviously you provide the answer. And I would tell you about hundreds and hundreds of, of ADVs I've read over the years. I would, you know, I'm just, just going off of memory here. I, I'd venture it's a single digit number of them had performance uh, fees or charged performance fees. So it is, it is very rare, but, but it, is, it is doable. So I do wanna make sure that's clear. In the RA world, it is doable. Uh, but on this video, I just wanna walk through some of those challenges so you can maybe understand why, why a lot of perhaps your peers have decided not to, to implement that into their practice. Um, so first challenge, um, only certain qualified investors can even enter into that arrangement with you. And, and, and there's, 
you know, standards on net worth and income and, and things like that. So just because you want to offer performance fees and just because a particular client might be open to it from a regulatory standpoint, that client has to qualify to even enter into that sort of arrangement. So that, that, that adds some complexity to it because obviously you, you cannot run afoul of that. You absolutely have challenges or problems if the regulators find out you have, you have not met that specific definition and only those clients are the ones you've entered into this performance fee arrangement for. Uh, so again, number one is, is only certain clients even qualify to enter into that arrangement. Um, the, the next one, and this is certainly prevalent in the, the hedge fund world with their two and 20 as well, but there, there is a, you know, an argument out there that if, if you're getting performance fees, you might have an incentive to take higher risks with managing the assets to try to grow those assets because that's where the, maybe you're going to make the bulk of your money is in that performance fees. And so do, do you take a more aggressive, riskier approach to managing the assets than you would have had you not had that performance fee? I know that can be entirely unfair to accuse a hedge fund manager of that or accuse a financial advisor of that. But just because we'd say it's unfair and it very well might be unfair, that doesn't mean, for instance, uh, opposing counsel of a client that, that has taken issue with you and is now wants to sue you might not try to use against you and say, oh, clearly, advisor, you clearly were all interested in taking risks just so you could drive up your performance base uh, fee that you were going to receive. Now, that could be entirely unfair argument to, to, to target you with, but that doesn't mean someone won't try to, try to, 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 to paint you with that brush. Uh, no matter how unfair it is. So just something to be aware of uh, that, that, that it is a potential conflict of interest that, that could be used against you. Um, the next one is just, it's, it's, it's just harder to calculate for starters. So if you have a more typical arrangement without performance fees, and let's say you just, you charge, you know, 1% to the client and the way you, you facilitate that is it's, it's on a quarterly cycle and uh, Mr. or Mrs. Client, we take the the end value on the last day of the quarter. And that's what we assess the fee against. And, and that's very simple math. It is what it is. What's the account value? What's the, the prorated amount of 1% on an annualized basis? That's our math. When, when you start getting into performance-based fees, it's, it's significantly harder to calculate. And, and there's some standards out there. You might've heard of GIPS compliant before. So it's Global Investment Performance Standards. And that's, that's kind of like the de facto go-to of how you calculate performance in these sorts of capacities. And, and as an example, you say, well, you know, how hard could it be? Well, there's a couple of variables there. Again, you, you might have that high watermark situation. So you need to keep in mind of where that high watermark is, because maybe you achieved it, maybe you fell below it, then you, then you went a book back above it a little bit. So it raised higher and now it's gone back down. So that, that's a complication. And, and then it can be complicated by an, an, a client either putting more money into the account or taking money out of the account. So if they put in another $200,000 into the account, well, that, that's going to increase the account value, but it's, it shouldn't be counted arguably for your performance solely because they put 200,000 more in the account. Now, after the 200,000 was in there, if you grew the assets by investing clearly, that could be included in the calculation, but you can see how that starts to make it very complicated to calculate. So it's, it's doable. There are firms you can hire that do this GIPS compliant calculation. So it is, it is doable, but just know it is significantly more complicated. 
Uh, and then the last just challenge I'll point out, not, not an exhaustive list here, but just, just some challenges, is I, I did a separate video. I've actually done two videos on, on kind of regulatory exams. So if you have your own RIA, you will get examined by your regulator. It could be the SEC or state, depends on your size. Uh, I did one video on, on the frequency you can expect of how often that will occur and, and one video on what you can actually expect you know, to, to kind of actually occur during the examination process. So if you, if you haven't looked at those, I encourage you to go out and, and look at those. But a note I make on the, on the frequency, there's no hard, fast rule that says a regulator will come out to see you every 36 months or every 24 months or 48 months or whatever the case is. Uh, there's a whole host of variables of, of why they, they might come more frequently, less frequently or whatnot. But there's no doubt that the, that the regulators as well intended as they are, they, they, they have uh, you know, only a certain amount of capacity, a certain amount of resources to get out and examine RIAs. So that, that's why you're generally not examined every single year. There's just not the capacity to do that. So part of what the examiners do is to try to say, okay, who, who should we go out and examine more frequently than others? So a typical example could be if, a, if one RIA has a billion dollars in client assets and one has a hundred million in client assets. Arguably, because we have limited resources, we should probably we should probably go out and examine the billion dollar one more frequently than the one hundred million dollar one. Now, the, now the one hundred million dollar one might might be stirring up trouble. It's not to say they're immune from it, but if if either of them are going to stir up trouble, unfortunately, the one with one billion is going to have a bigger impact on the investing public. So. That, that doesn't mean they won't come out and see the $100 million RA, but, but maybe they'll, they'll, they'll put a higher risk profile on the billion dollar one. So you, you kind of get what I'm saying there. So my, my point with that is if you charge performance fees, uh, that is most likely going to be factored into the regulators kind of score in your RA from a risk perspective. Uh, so it probably, and I'm not the one at the regulatory body setting these standards or whatnot, but it's, it's very conceivable that as they attempt to identify which RAs they should, they should examine more frequent than others, if you are charging performance-based fees because of all these challenges with are the, are the clients qualified, are you calculating it correctly, are you explaining it correctly, it's quite conceivable that they will score you on a higher risk level and, and hence you will be uh, susceptible to, to more frequent exams as a result of that. Now, now, all that said, you might have a very good reason to want to charge performance-based fees, and it might be well worth all of these additional challenges. Uh, what I talked about earlier, that, that most RIAs do not charge them. I, I didn't say all RIAs do not charge them. There are some out there that charge, and, and, and they've just decided with their particular circumstances that it, it makes sense to work through this list of challenges and to, and to make sure they can manage that, that uh, appropriately. So, Kind of bottom line, uh, it is doable. I, I, number two, I, I do caution you to really consider all these before you, you take that step. I think it is, again, every situation is different. Every ultimately RA needs to make their own decision, but it, it is a challenging environment to, to provide that service. Uh, and then the, then the third one is, regardless if, if you are gonna use one, the compliance consultant that you use will help you through all this. They will make sure things are documented correctly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give you the same reaction I'm giving you. If you come and say, I want to do performance-based fees, they, they might indeed ultimately help walk you through that, but they, they probably will caution you with some of the same challenges I've pointed out as well. Uh, and then the, the final thought I'll just leave you with is, is keep in mind, 
if you like the idea of, you know, wow, if I can help the client grow their assets better, uh, you know, if I, if I can get paid more for that, that seems fair. I'm, I'm helping the client grow and I get paid more. So maybe I like this idea of this performance-based fee. Keep in mind, let's, let's put the performance-based fee aside. If you charge as a percent of assets, so the, the proverbial 1% of assets, in a way, not, not by the true regulatory definition, but in a way that, that is a performance-based fee on its own, because if you can help grow that client's assets, your 1% on the math will increase to higher compensation for you. So you are incentivized already if you're using that kind of pricing structure to, to grow the assets. And for that, you will get rewarded. Uh, so you, you, can, you can have you know, the benefits of that without necessarily crossing that bridge into formal performance-based fees and all the challenges we talked about here. So just, just some food for thought on that. Again, no, no perfect answer. Every situation is different, but, but something to, to, to be aware of. So with that, like I said, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help advisors understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. Uh, today's topic, perfect example. If you were looking at the model, maybe you did hear about performance-based fees and option, or, or I'm just walking you through all the different ways you can charge uh, clients. Uh, that, that generally comes up because I try to walk advisors through all the options they have. Um, so, so diving into this topic is the exact sort of thing I do with advisors. More than happy to have that conversation with you, whether you'd like to learn more about this specific topic or anything else to do with the RA model, happy to help. Uh, so if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can see plenty more videos I've made. I have some economic white papers, and then the easiest thing to do is there's a contact link right at the top. If you just click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule a specific date and time uh, that we can have a conversation just like this. Whether you have a question about today's video uh, or anything else about the RA model, or you just wanna begin that macro conversation of here's my current situation, here's my current affiliation model, here's the current kind of firm I'm with, here's my current client base. What might it look like if I were to transition to the RA model from an economic standpoint to a flexibility standpoint to a freedom and control standpoint and, and responsibility standpoint as well? Happy to have that conversation with you. So with that, I hope you found value on today's video and I'll see you on the next one.